I'm enough at last. Submitted for your consideration to sci-fi fans, Sean Majors and Keith Conrad, rewatch The Twilight Zone from beginning to end. It's like something out of that Twilighty show about that zone. This is Africa, 1943. War spits out its violence overhead, and the sandy graveyard swallows it up. Her name is King Knight, B-25 medium bomber, 12th Air Force. On a hot, still morning, she took off from Tunisia to bomb the southern tip of Italy. An errant piece of flak tore a hole in a wing tank, and like a wounded bird, this is where she landed. Not to return on this day or any other day. Sean, I wasn't sure we'd make it, but we actually made it all the way to season two. Can you believe it? I, I can hardly believe it myself, Keith. We're, we're trucking along. Um, big accomplishment, big milestone for the show. And uh, can't wait to see where we go from here. Probably season two. Uh, big accomplishment because, you know, one season of The Twilight Zone was basically like three seasons of a, of a TV show now. Yeah, almost four. <laughs> Thirty-six episodes. That's crazy. Um, like, you know, so, uh, you know, like a sports season, that's basically like half the year on, half the year off. Like that. that's kind of easy to follow. Yeah, it's not too I, I just, can't, just can't quite wrap my head around what they're going for with 36 episodes, but... Yeah, I wonder what other shows at the time, <clears throat> how they if, if they stuck to like the the twenty two, uh, you know, twenty two, twenty six a year, however much. It's crazy to to think that even like you know the X Files had like twenty twenty episodes in, in the first season for like an, a one hour show. Yeah, and Star Trek: The Next Generation, I think, was one that had like twenty five. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, and, and they and those were bad episodes in the first season of Star Trek: The Next Generation. You know, they, they found their way later on, but the first season, that was a little rough. <laughs> we need to go through a, uh, you know, w- once this is done in, in 2027, um, we need to uh, go through a, a first watch podcast of where I actually go through and watch everything Star Trek. Just from the beginning, not not uh, go- going in completely fresh. Um, yeah, I, I had always assumed that uh, if we really wanted to show our commitment to this thing, uh, the next series we'd tackle would be The Simpsons, because that would, that would pretty much get us through the rest of eternity. Pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we begin season two of uh, The Twilight Zone, and it's worth pointing out that uh, in the last uh, episode, which was uh, A World of His Own, uh, we saw one Rod Serling on uh, camera for the very first time, and it was kind of a kind of a gag. Um, but I assume that maybe that went over really well because uh, starting with the first episode of season two and all the way throughout the uh, pretty much the rest of the series, I think uh, he was he was on camera. Uh, for all the rest of the episodes. Yeah, it's I don't know why I always forget that he. <laughs> Whenever I rewatch the series, you know, like you, you won't notice that he's not on camera in the first season, mm-hmm. and then when he actually shows up in the second season, it's like, oh yeah, forgot forgot most of the most of the episodes were like this. Well, I think that part of that comes from the fact that uh, most of us, uh, unless you were actually watching it in 1960 when it first aired, most of us probably weren't actually seeing them in order. So it just seemed like some of them he was there, some of them he wasn't. You know, it didn't necessarily probably never really clicked that uh, it was the first season that that uh, he wasn't there. 
except for that that one horrible year uh, when the Sci-Fi uh, Channel on their marathon decided to run every episode in order. Um, yeah, that was a very bad idea, and and people may have noticed it then. <laughs> did they the year they did that? Did they run the season four episodes? Yeah, they ran every episode uh, in, in order, and the problem was that uh, by doing it that way, you ended up with like all of the really good episodes that everybody wanted to see at like two in the morning. Yeah, <laughs> so it, it did not go over well, and they haven't done it since. So uh, cre- credit to them for learning their lesson. That's all you can ask anymore. Um, so the first episode of the second season, and I, I guess we have to finally make a decision. Uh, we're, we're just going to say that this is episode number 37, right? I think so. I think so. Now, now that we've started the second season. Uh, I, I was really stressing out about that decision. It's uh, a tough – it's not an easy one to make, you know. Yeah. Uh, so the the second season premiere was King Nine Will Not Return. And uh, this is about a World War II uh, B-25 bomber uh, that has crashed in the desert – and the captain uh, just sort of finds himself uh, out there in the desert uh, all alone. Uh, he he kind of, I, I, if I remember correctly, I think he kind of lands, he kind of kind of wakes up in front of the airplane. So it, it's almost like he, yes. you know, they crashed and then went through the windshield, except the windshield's <laughs> still there. So obviously he didn't. Maybe uh, he uh, went out on a search and rescue mission and then just got tired really, really quickly. Really quickly, yeah, almost immediately. I mean, the desert does that to people. It's true. It's yeah, true. North Africa, that's nothing to mess, mess around with. Not a whole lot of that uh, damage on the bomber from uh, from crash landing. No, there isn't, um, which, uh, again, me, my brain immediately going to practical things, it's probably because they didn't actually crash a B-25 to uh, <laughs> To do it to film this thing. As a matter of fact, I did when I was uh, looking up this thing. Apparently, um, they bought a, a actual legit B twenty five bomber just to use it as a set, and that is actually like still in existence in a storage room somewhere in case they ever need a B twenty five for something. Oh yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure that'll get plenty of use. Every, every day that goes by, the the usefulness of that is just gonna. Hey, hey, people are people are making World War II uh, movies and TV shows all the time. So they CGI yeah. all of that in. That's true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so it it's it's interesting because I, I compare this to uh, Where Is Everybody, uh, the very first episode of the Twilight Zone. Yeah, sure. Uh, because it's it's another thing where a guy's kind of by himself and he has to figure out uh, what's going on. I will say that this episode always freaked me out as a kid, but I I never quite know why because you know it wasn't like I was all that worried about uh, where is everybody or any of the other ones where you've got one person, uh, you know, all by themselves trying to figure out what's going on. Uh, but for some reason, it, it always did freak me out. Yeah, there was there was always just kind of like a, a sense of dread, like in the uh, in the after hours. Oh my god, did I get an episode oh, yeah. title right? <laughs> All right, yeah, yes you did. <laughs> you're referring to the one about the mannequins. That yes you did. Yes, that one. Uh, we'll um, say that that was probably because we did it, you know, just a couple weeks ago. So it's fresh in your mind. It's true. It's true. Baby steps. Um, yeah, but I mean, there's you know, particularly at the end of this episode. <clears throat> um, 
when, you know, you don't, I don't know, to me at least, I, I don't really know where the real Embry is. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, I, it's, it, it's, it's a good episode. It's, it's definitely one that um, I, I, I don't really skip over too often. No. So as he's uh, exploring his little world and, and it is, you know, like he, he stays around the airplane the whole time. So it's a, it's a very little <laughs> world. Uh, he finds the uh, grave of one of his uh, crewmen. Uh, but then at about that same time, he sees uh, some some jets flying over. And uh, that's when things get a little weird because he knows what jets are. So something weird is going on there. Like he's he's not just, you know, it, it's it's not just your old uh, normal uh, story of uh, guys stranded <laughs> out in the middle of the desert. Something strange is going on here. Yeah, you don't, you don't see. Uh, I can't imagine there are too many blue angels flying around in 1943. No, and certainly uh, certainly not over the desert. Not, yeah, <laughs> not in North Africa. Blue are the Navy, so they'd, they'd probably be closer to water. Um, so he he uh, he keeps trying to use the radio. That doesn't work. Um, and and eventually he just sort of gives up, and that's when um. That's when we learn that uh, he's actually in a hospital, and it's uh, it's in the present day, so it's early 1960s, like 15 years after after whatever would have crashed. And he's been uh, he's he he had uh, survivor's guilt, and then basically uh, it, it was triggered because they found the airplane. I think um, you know we've <clears throat> we've mentioned uh, specific Twilight Zone tropes. <clears throat> um, you know the the person that's that looks way older than they actually are. The um, you know telling us telling a story with uh, you know cramming everything into twenty two minutes or just really biding your time. Um, the number of recovering soldiers in a hospital room in the same exact hospital room. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's yeah, gotta right. be up there. That's gotta be, this has gotta be number seven, at least. I would think so. And I would think that a lot of that probably has to do with, uh, Rod Serling's own experience in the military during the war and kind of, kind of working that out himself. Yeah. I wonder, like, <clears throat> I don't know. Uh, it, it, we, we've talked about this, you know, more than a couple times, but it's just, uh, it is, it is kind of cool just to go, I think the twilight zone more than any show of its, you know, certainly of its time, maybe a couple of decades afterward did more to really reflect the it's, it's, it's a, you know, it's a time capsule, um, more than a lot of, of other shows. It's like, um, mm-hmm. you know, it, it really reflects, you know, the, the interests and, and the, and the passions. And of course the, the, the nightmares of people at the time. And so, yeah, I guess, uh, recovering soldiers and, uh, being lost in space and, uh, the red scare, it's just, uh, it's easy to see why these things pop up so much. Yeah. That was definitely top of mind at the time. Uh, the, the thing that I always like is the, uh, is the, the twist at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you just assume, okay, he was, uh, he was hallucinating. Yeah, he was having a dream. Yeah, and then uh, at the end, the nurse is uh, is uh, fumbling around with uh, with with his clothes, and his shoes kind of tip over, and sand comes out. What? <laughs> so maybe he wasn't just hallucinating. Yeah. So I don't know. I've I always wondered, uh, like, 
I don't know. Is is his is his stay in the hospital? Is that a hallucination? Oh, that could be. Yeah. Um, and maybe his mind brought the sand into the. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe both he um, and the nurse are both on the same drug. That could could very well be as well. Uh, one thing that I, I did find uh, is that uh, the, the episode is actually based on a real event uh, because there was uh, there was a B twenty four, so not uh, quite the same aircraft, but um, uh, it was a bomber called uh, the Lady Be Good, and it lost course over Italy and crashed in the desert in Libya. Jeez. And in 1959, so probably actually right about the time uh, Rod Serling was was yeah. writing, uh, a team of uh, geologists stumbled upon the uh, the aircraft, and uh, they couldn't find any remains of the crew. Like it, it was it was just abandoned. Wow. Uh, so so that's uh, that's a, a pretty interesting tie-in, and and I would imagine that that was. Rod Serling looking at the newspaper that particular day yeah. and, and thinking, wow, that's a, that's a neat story. I'll do that. <laughs> and, and that's, that's what he did. So, you, you know, if you were wondering where the inspiration for all these uh, weird <clears throat> stories came from, it was actually the news, which is kind of comforting when you think about it, uh, because that means that the news was weird in the sixties too. <laughs> Thank God. Um, yeah, it looks like the same incident of the lady be good was also the, uh, the title or the, the plot of a CBS Friday night movie in a 1970 soul survivor directed by Paul Stanley. Unfortunately, not the kiss drummer. Are you absolutely sure of that? I am. Well, I'm not, I can't be a hundred percent, but <laughs> Um, when I do you click on know. his name and weird things were happening, <laughs> when I do, when I do click on his uh, name on a uh, Wikipedia, it, it does not bring me to uh, a guy in, in cat makeup. So it, it would be funny if you ever met Paul Stanley from kiss, if you were just like, Hey, did you direct a movie in the seventies? <laughs> uh, I get that all the time. Hey, you want a picture? <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure he would say exactly that. Yeah. The the one thing that did bother me about this uh, episode is the inner monologue was just strange to me, because yeah. like it wouldn't be one thing like if he just said things and we just assumed he's thinking out loud. Yeah. I, I wouldn't have thought twice about it, but for some reason, having him like basically miming stuff <laughs> while he's he's doing a voiceover. For some reason, that that was really strange to me. Um, yeah, like, like especially you know, I compared it to "Where Is Everybody." Um, that never happened in that episode, and that was that was one person, you know, going just full Tom Hanks and Castaway and just just acting with themselves. Um, so I I don't know why they decided to do that, but uh, I think it was the wrong decision. I wonder if they if they ended up doing that <clears throat> anymore uh, after after this episode. The the inner monologue. I don't know. We'll I mean, because I know that there's definitely other episodes where there's like, you know, one person dropped into a situation and suddenly they have to figure out what's going on. There are definitely many of those uh, episodes. Um, you know, like like uh, you know, Marsha White in the After Hours. Since you uh, actually remember that. Uh, that episode. <laughs> 
Um, you know, she was never, uh, we were never listening to her inner monologue. So I don't know. Yeah. But that, yeah. Yeah. I don't think, uh, hmm. It's not done well. Maybe they, I, I, I think they learned their lesson. Yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe that is it. Maybe, uh, they were like, Hey, look at us. We got renewed for a second season. Let's try something new. And then in the, uh, in the after action meeting, they were like, Oh yeah, that wasn't such a good idea. Let's get real weird with it. <laughs> Speaking of a real weird, uh, next week, uh, we're going to be dealing with genies and Hitler. <laughs> a better combination there is not. Enigma buried in the sand. A question mark with broken wings that lies in silent grace as a marker in a desert shrine. Odd how the real consorts with the shadows, how the present fuses with the past. How does it happen? question is on file in the silent desert and the answer the answer is waiting for us in the twilight zone gabatron 